You're listening to the Dive Bomb Podcast. G'day and welcome to episode 46 of the Dive Bomb Podcast. We're here with our review of the 2022 Spa Grand Prix. Uh, the title is Red Bullying, as we saw this weekend. A lot of, <laughs> lot of Red Bull bullying going around on the track. But uh, I'm here with one of my co-hosts. Uh, the other one's not here today, but we, uh, I'm here with, uh, you know, is, it, is he my favorite co-host? Because uh, the other one's not here. I don't know. But <laughs> James, how we doing? Doing well. Got to see the race and then some golf right after. Oh, yeah. So it was, uh, it was a good weekend. Yeah, it was a very big weekend in, uh, in the nation's capital in Canada. We uh, had the, the women's golf tournament, one of the, well, the pro women's golf tournament. That was pretty cool. And uh, you enjoyed yourself? It was a good time? Yeah, it was a really good time. I just wish that Smith Falls Finest, Brooke Henderson, could have uh, pulled something out, but she yeah. needed more um, Smith Falls natives to cheer on which i think if i would have been there she would have shot like at minus 20 on the last day but at least somewhere in the 50s yeah we would have been able to see it see a trophy <laughs> back in smith falls I haven't seen one of those since my cpjhl title back in <laughs> anyways uh in a couple of inside jokes to start the podcast but um yeah spa i mean we had a weekend that was a crazy one and and also welcome back from the summer break what a summer break it's been yeah. we we absolutely got Flew by. shafted by our call out with oscar piastri becoming alpine's oh, yeah. driver and then literally an hour after we released the last podcast uh they said nope or he said yeah nope. it was breaking news during the podcast and then yeah. once it was finished recording breaking news right after <laughs> yeah so yeah disregard our comments regarding that i, I mean i was also forgot about that yeah if we go back and listen to it like i was also pretty excited to see him in the alpine um we won't get too much into like the tweet itself it's kind of been it was bashed uh like i, I want to say it was talked about as much as it could be over the summer break with yeah. a lot of the media so we won't get into the tweet itself, but just the fact that, you know, quick update, obviously, Daniel Ricardo won't be part of McLaren next year, which uh, something that, you know, we've talked about so long, his struggles there the last couple of years, and clearly it just hasn't worked. And obviously with this whole uh, Oscar Piastri deal and kind of the outing that he did in the media there about not driving for Alpine and then... You know, everybody kind of believing he was coming to McLaren. The writing was, was only, on the, the wall. The writing was yeah. on the wall. And like I said to you last week, it's kind of the worst kept secret in the paddock, similar to when George Russell was going to sign with Mercedes. Yeah, I feel like, like this is a consistent thing yeah. in F1. It's just like the news leaks up. That's why when K-Meg came to Haas, it was like, holy, this yeah. is a surprise because no one was talking about it. Yeah, because it just at happened. All. Yeah, it yeah. Just, I think even that was like... <laughs> you'll only ever get that happen like no leak and stuff when it's so quick you know like, yeah we just if need... there's any kind of lead time on it like someone's gonna know and we're gonna end up knowing yeah we just need to russia to invade another country and see what happens <laughs> that's what it's gonna end up being see, see who else gets punted um that's so what it takes though for f1 to have news that doesn't leak out like it's honestly, insane yeah bigger news and oh, it has to be on a world scale too um yeah. So, yeah, we also, you know, the one thing to contrast there is that the George Russell news was obviously, like, I would say, for the most part, good news. Like, a lot of people were happy that George was getting promoted. This is, I think, even just the sense around the paddock, like, the interviews we've heard with Seb and others that, you know, they're not really too happy with, you know, how everything's gone with Daniel. It's 
he's like such a well like driver, right? So, so marketable too so for F one. Oh, hundred percent for the sport and also like people like the drivers too. I think you know they all want to see him around yeah. as well. So yeah, because they just want to qualify him. <laughs> they just true. want an easy Q. Yeah, they don't want they don't want him to go back into another car because he might actually get good again and then <laughs> they'll be in trouble. They'll have to they'll have to like not pencil in themselves into a Q3 spot every time because yeah, exactly. they know one of the McLarens won't be there. But, but yeah, jokes aside. But jo- yeah, I mean, jokes aside, it has been a really tough go and we've mentioned it on and on because that's obviously our team. Um, the, you know, throughout the last couple of years in the podcast, we've been like, oh, he'll get, he'll come around and it just hasn't happened. And now you find yourself here where, you know, he's actually leaving the team, um, which is crazy to think. Yeah. We obviously wish... We obviously hope, and in my opinion, he will be in the sport next year. I just don't know where. Like, silly season is so silly, and we have no idea really where he could go. Um, there's obviously yeah. options, and like you said, he's so marketable that there's got to be a team willing to take a risk on. He's not like ancient or anything. He's still a year, you know, a year and a week removed from from a win, from a yeah. race win with. McLaren. I was going to say we're almost. I think it was um, in September last year. Yeah, it was two. Yeah, like after Zandvoort, it would have been Monza, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, yeah, just over a year removed from a win, and you can't. You also can't forget those times because I mean, at the time when we watched it, I think it was my. Well, I don't think I know it was my favorite moment of last season, and you and I went out for breakfast after the yeah. race, and we were like, "This might be the." You know, well, first of all, this is my first time McLaren's won since like 2012. Yeah. So 2012 to 2021 was a long time. And then also Danny Rick winning in it. And I remember us talking about it like this, you know, his his track record so far, this is either going to be an anomaly, which it ended up being right. Like we saw him take that win and it was, then we were like, okay, maybe he's found something, (laughs) but realistically, if you look back at it now, like an anomaly and it was absolutely like a miracle, like Monza, I think we called it Monza masterclass, but we might as well have called it a Monza miracle because he found something that weekend (laughs) that he has not been able to find. Lightning in a bottle. Yeah. What he caught there. That was insane. It's especially knowing now, like you said, after what his results have been since exactly yeah, it was such an anomaly yeah and you have to look back on it almost with like fonder memories than at the time because it was so unique that it happened and like especially with McLaren's season this year you know they've really really struggled to to get around um you know even the points positions at times for even Lando has had tough, tough races whereas Lando last year was just scoring points and podiums and top sixes like it was no tomorrow so um yeah it's sad to see i'm also you know in a way i'm excited to see piastri there i think like to have unconfirmed unconfirmed but it's pretty much confirmed (laughs) um like to have the biggest prospect come into our team is alongside lando is pretty cool uh so i mean they're still gonna have to build a car that's good and they might as well take some tips from me on my f1 manager 2022 (laughs) because i already got a podium with mclaren there uh not a big deal, but yeah, anyone that's playing that game, I'm sure there's, I know there's been a lot of people in the dive bomb community that have been playing that game. And, um, yeah, I got McLaren back, back to somewhere. They at least have a podium, but got a trophy in the we'll, case. We'll see, uh, how, how I'll yeah. keep you guys updated on when I'm a world champion. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see Piastri there as yeah. well as what unfolds with like all the lawsuits and stuff that could potentially be uh, coming his way with how we handled situations there. Cause, uh, 
What what's the team principal for Alpine again? Uh, Otmar. Yeah. He was not happy with. No. I was listening to him in the practice. He was not happy. So. No. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And they had him on. That must have been just scheduled for that. But wasn't he on the pit lane this weekend in Spa, or was it? No, it was Gunther this weekend. Anyways, yeah, there was a lot of interviews where he was definitely not too happy. And it's today, I think, is when the hearings take place. So we should be getting some answers. Knowing us, we're going to post this podcast and then something will be announced. Like, he is, in fact, racing at Alpine. Like, he's like, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to post this podcast and then he's going to tweet, Oh, uh, legally, I have to race for Alpine next year. So... Um, yeah, silly season's in full swing with a hot shoot rookie uh, that's coming in and going to be trying to, obviously, it looks like he's not taking any prisoners. Like, he's looking to race where he wants to race. And, um, you know, a lot of the talk went on about how Alpine kind of wasn't guaranteeing him a spot. And then, uh, you know, they, they obviously, like, Fernando was still someone that they believe could drive that car uh, and do really well and then with him leaving this whole domino effect has been crazy so uh, we'll see how it plays out in the next couple days and uh, I'm sure next podcast we'll have some updates on the Piastri situation and maybe an official uh, confirmation that he's coming to McLaren or who knows maybe we'll have some confirmation as to what's going on with Daniel in the next coming uh, rounds as well so should be interesting but Without further ado, we'll get into, I think it'll be a quicker uh, race review this weekend as even if you watch the highlights on YouTube, there's kind of clip bits of highlights till lap like 12 and then they, 12 and then it jumps to like lap 18 for the next highlight and then the next highlight is like lap 43 when Charles pits. <laughs> so not, not as an exciting race as I think a lot of it was drawn up to be. Um, especially with, you know, the main storyline going into the weekend being the grid penalties for a lot of drivers and a lot of significant drivers being, you know, Max, uh, Charles and, and them being able, seeing if they were going to be able to come through the pack, uh, which ended up being a lot easier (laughs) than, than, uh, everyone thought. So, um, yeah, we'll start off, I guess qualities didn't really matter too much, but, we one main theme of the weekend that we saw right away is we saw engine penalties engine penalties <laughs> for sure and then max just being so fast he looked so fast in every session uh including qualifying like he was untouchable they they uh ferrari team as we've seen before got a nice little teamwork toe done to be able to get carlos up past sergio perez to make sure he was on pole position as he you know, Max was taking those engine penalties. Um, so, I mean, for me, there was like a glimmer of hope that Carlos being that far ahead uh, was going to be able to, you know, get get him to get another win possibly. But um, this track is so long and there's so much, if you have a fast car, there's like a lot of time to make up for um, being, you know, down in, in, um, in a position like out of position obviously as max was but man this wasn't even fair he was like he 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 was looked like he was racing against f2 cars out there like, yeah that that car is absolutely a rocket ship right now this guy again we've said it i said it before the break he's gonna be winning the title this was just a dominant yeah. performance there was questions like about after this weekend was this max's best race of his career 
Um, and like, I would say it's up there for sure. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other ones. I feel like you had to fight a little bit more to make it one of the best races of his career. It looked like it was just easy. a walk in the park on a Sunday afternoon. Like that's all yeah. it looked like to him. It was insane. But is that not what it would consider as like domination? Like when you're a racing driver that just makes everyone else look like a pylon. Oh yeah. Like, not, you know I'm not I mean? saying like domination versus best races of all yeah. time. Hard I feel spot. like best races are more for like from the uh, spectator's point of view. Like where Lewis each, Hamilton, Brazil, twenty. Exactly, where yeah. each overtake just looks like it is a fight. So many risks just diving into it. And Fair like, enough. Yeah, I feel like there's... It just looked way too easy for him. So and if it, it, let's say he took the lead on like lap forty of forty four, mm-hmm. and then ended up winning it, but like he was fighting throughout the whole race. Like it, it, he got it on like eighteen, yeah, and won by nineteen seconds. Like that for it to be like the best of all time, I feel like it needs to be a good spectacle for the viewers Agreed. and him get on top at the end of it all. Agreed. And actually look like a challenge. Like I, I yes. think there's a key differential that you just made there. Differentiation is that. You could have your best race weekend be some race where you might not even win, but you're like battling through the pack. Exactly. You have like excellent car control. But then this one, I would say, hands down, is his most dominant weekend. Yeah. To win by, you know, uh, you know, 18 seconds off Sergio. And then, like you said, he uh, was through the pack in no time. So, um, I mean, we can, we can talk about why he was through the pack real quick and, and kind of run over the race. But that was, you know, just the overall for me like just how dominant this car is and then also to be 18 seconds above your teammate in a one two which i was thinking as sergio was talking at the podium like that we haven't really you know we haven't seen a lot of red bull one twos and i think this year Mm -hmm. was the first one in a long time yeah so to see that where like Sergio's clearly doing a decent job like he's obviously doing better than other a lot of other max's teammates but He's still that much further ahead, and he started 12, 12 spots. spots behind him. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they're in the same car, um, definitely domination. So, uh, yeah, how it happened, though, we got one of the more interesting first laps that we've seen. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't see as many in- crazy, crazy yeah, ones. Yeah, we, I think we've mentioned it throughout yeah. the season that... It's been pretty even clean going, and tidy. Even over going the, into last year, like there wasn't a lot. I remember when we first started watching. I don't know if yeah, we got Romain Grosjean for year one. Like, <laughs> yeah, we had Grosjean blowing up. But even then, it's like we. I don't know. Maybe like COVID just made all these drivers like ready, just even more eager to overtake. Because in twenty twenty two, I felt like we had a lot of interesting first laps. But this one, uh, obviously, you have Eau Rouge, and going through Eau Rouge with all these cars is. Like ha- it has to be said, it's a oh, spectacle. I that's um, one turn I or like one section of a track I need to see live. Yeah, because that looks amazing. Oh, it looks unbelievably ridiculously cool. So goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, we knew you know no matter what how fast all these cars are where everyone starts Max wasn't on pole and he was gonna have to get through a rouge that was kind of <laughs> like battle number one right yeah if we were gonna see a Max Verstappen come back which. He was still the favorite. The Benick favorite. Race, I was about crazy. to mention. Uh, All the sports books already had the uh, the the future total. Yeah. Even <laughs> at the knew. end of the race, he was coming around on one of the last turns, and Crofty was like, "The sports books rarely ever get it wrong." And I was like, uh, "How many times have I taken the favorite and they fucking lost?" <laughs> Anyways, favorite from pool. Yeah, or like UFC fights or something. Um, but yeah, so. Um, 
getting through Eau Rouge was kind of the, the first exciting piece of the race. And what we saw there was uh, the second row of the grid as two former teammates and two world champions, Lewis and Fernando being, we knew there was going to be a battle there. Yeah. And then we were also curious to see what happened because typically P2 at Spa is a good spot to be. You can kind of aim your car right over and take a nice uh, little line into the first corner and then get a great slipstream up into Paso Rouge and down the straight and be able to uh, overtake. But we'll start at the front. For me, I thought Carlos nailed the start. Oh, like yeah. The fact that he was that far ahead, I was like, you know what? If Max gets held up here and Carlos is out here and we don't see like a safety car, we, you know, and all those There's things. There's a chance. All those things <laughs> had to go right, right? Like, uh, obviously we didn't Which see that. Which is still but. insane to think that you're like, this Ferrari, who's been their main competitor all year, had a great start, but then we also need no safety cars and like a little bit of traffic for Max to get through. Yeah. And it might still end up going and in Red Bull's favor. And a perfect pit stop. Yeah, and else. it's still Michael Red Bull's favor. Like, that yeah. is when you're... It's a, the stars must align and then a puncture on max might happen yeah well and it reminds me of times when like obviously when we first started watching and like mercedes was so dominant we were thinking like oh lewis gearbox failure like lap 40 like we needed that thing yes. to happen you know it's like that's kind of magnuson like, park in the pit lane yeah like, yeah elcon park or whatever so um yeah so seeing uh carlos's getaway was i was really happy with it just to see like we were going to get some drama obviously and then obviously for me to see signs pulling away was nice and then the little battle between lewis and fernando just peers its head and lewis uh went around the outside of fernando and was not fully over over like past him down the straight and ended up turning into him getting absolutely like trampolined up into the oh, air that was epic that was a cool couple of pictures we saw yeah um, I knew as soon as he came down though, like the way that the back of the car like whacked against the ground, I was like, oh, that's yeah. And I think he rode a curb too. Yeah, like, that's was... gonna be like a probably a DNF. There's got to be some damage to that floor, you know, if not Lewis's friggin' ass. Like that's gonna be <laughs> serious. That's gonna be a hard one to come back from. So, um, just to kind of close the loop on that incident, like we obviously had a classic. You know, people told us going into the season, you're in for a treat when you see Fernando Alonso or I guess last season, when you see Fernando Alonso, you're in for a treat. Uh, and hearing his radio messages is just absolutely hilarious. Like in the heat of the moment, this guy just says like whatever. And um, he even said like after the race in his interview, he's like, you know, I just hate that these are broadcasted. Like I, I can't do a Spanish voice, but like, he's like, I hate that these are broadcasted. Like yeah. I'm just talking to my engineer in the moment. Like, and he wasn't anything really like bad. He didn't like call him any names or anything, but he was just like, this guy There's only knows how to, yeah, yeah, frustration. He's like, this guy only knows how to drive from first place or whatever. <laughs> um, which is like, I thought it was hilarious to be able to say that while you're in the car driving that fast and competing is like, it's kind of like this guy's witty, like oh, he, super this witty, guy is hilarious. Yeah, so. and it's all—it's almost kind of like a compliment to Hamilton too, because it's like you're normally in first place. You're, you're not used to being here, so I mean, like you're normally outclassing everybody. Then at the same time, though, it's just like you need to get practicing on the back of the grid now <laughs> that your car is no longer at the front, in the middle part of it. <laughs> yeah, in the sure. middle of the grid. I mean, I thought that was hilarious comment. I was dying laughing when I heard that. It's also just like recency, like in the last few years when he's won titles, or I mm -hmm. guess you'd say like most of the time when Lewis has won titles, it's been like first he'd be on pole yeah. or not. But he also had all those years with McLaren where he was battling in the middle, like his oh his yeah, rookie all the year when he almost too. won the title, like. 
he was he was a uh, you know up until like 2012 with McLaren he was battling you know yeah. heavily with that upper yeah, midfield. Absolutely. So I mean it's it, but it is also just like as if that pops into his mind to say I just find it hilarious like Alonso is just they got a the, character beef they got that beef. Well, right? it's like does he think about that like if Hamilton hits me I'm gonna say this you know like oh yeah no yeah, chance that, like, that's definitely something that just comes up. it just comes up yeah the sure. adrenaline's pumping too like oh yeah, yeah that's. Hilarious comment. So Lewis ends up nursing his car into sector three and then pulling over and ending up pulling out uh, a safety car. And while that was happening, we also had a nice little first spin in a while for Nicholas Latifi, who dipped his uh, tires in the grass and then spun across the track, taking out Valtteri Bottas, who... And almost one of the... uh, I think it was Ocon. Yeah. Almost Ocon and then hit Valtteri. Yes. And... yeah, it didn't even hit Valtteri, but Valtteri had to, like, go around and beached his car on his birthday as well. Shout out, Valtteri. We'll give you a nice little birthday wish. But uh, tough way to end your birthday with a little Latifi uh, pylon in the middle that you had to get around. And, yeah, the, I mean, Latifi really hasn't spun in a while, so not saying this wasn't expected, but brought out even more of a safety car, obviously. We had to clear up both of those incidents. Uh, and by this time, that had basically brought Max up into, like, striking distance in within the top 10 i think he was eighth at this point or seventh um so you know it was kind of like a clench your teeth i don't think that carlos is going to be able to get away like we want uh or like we would see um going into the race forward but yeah um, it just basically like unraveled what we wanted to be like two-thirds of the race in four laps yeah (laughs) by the time the safety four other laps behind the safety car or whatever yeah 100%. 100%. I totally agree with you. It unraveled the drama very fast. And that's why when I said, like, the race highlights were so short, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, in the about. intervals like, of them. It's intervals like- <laughs> of them. So then, I mean, to wrap up for, or to keep going, like, the the next few laps, what we saw was a car lap. Like, yeah. he <laughs> took, overtook Ricardo. He overtook Vettel. Uh, he overtook Alonso. He overtook Russell. He overtook Perez. And then, soon enough, he was right there with Carlos and overtaking Carlos. So... You know, this, again, domination you're watching is, like, crazy to think, like, how is this car so fast? How is this guy so good? Um, And what what you said in the chat was, like, it reminds me of that that very first rendition of the black Mercedes in 2020. That thing was an absolute beast outclassing everybody. It's looking like it already. Like, from that race, if you took that by itself... It, that looks like yeah. the 2020 You also think of like the, the tracks that the black Mercedes did well at, power-hungry circuits. And you look at this Red Bull and the tracks that it's doing well at, power-hungry circuits like Spa. I mean, Monza, like I would put my mm-hmm. goddamn life savings on Max at this <laughs> point. If he doesn't DNF, he's winning that race by like 15, 20 seconds. Like it's going to be really a sad day for to be a Ferrari fan there because it's just going to be, the, yeah. it, it might be the nail in the coffin day too. Like if Ferrari yeah. doesn't, I mean, it pretty much is at this point, but um, yeah, this, this car is really good. It's like, I saw a meme this morning and it was like uh, the first half of it was like everybody thanking Max for like, you know, take, kind of taking Lewis off the top. Yeah. But then it, it's like an, another picture. And it's like Max, like with his arms crossed and he's like, I wouldn't say that. I would say it's more under new management. Yeah, it's just like the same shit, but we're getting it with Max. And um, <clears throat> you can't take anything away from Red Bull, but at the same time, like as a fan, 
too, you're like looking at the new regulations that were supposed to promise, you know, all these tighter things, racing, tighter racing and yeah. we're looking and watching what seems to be the same thing. I mean, obviously like the nature of formula one is that, you know, it's a, it's, it's a race in, um, development, right? So if these guys nailed their research and they got a really good car, that's part of the game, you know, like, yep. I think a lot of maybe fans that are more fair weather fans of the sport, not as diehard as us would be like, Oh, I don't want to watch this. It's just like, Oh, it was just Lewis winning all the time. Oh, it's just Max winning all the time. For me, it's still a spectacle every time yep. that they're on. So I'm going to watch it no matter exactly. what. Exactly. You have these nine other competitor teams. You need to realize that it's man and machine also doing it. Yeah, There's yeah. like the, the aspect of the car being so fucking good. Well, and the variables of it as well. Like anyone, the rain, the, oh, yeah. the track surface, the tires, the mechanical issues, the driver error, like you just said, it's a man and machine. Um, anything can happen. So it's about like, I don't want to r- miss a race because I know that I could be missing like one of the best races of all time. Yep. Or I could be missing, I could be missing one of the best laps of all time if I miss a quality session, you know? So that's that's for me. I don't know. I, don't, I feel like <laughs> I, this has gone into us justifying our fandom for the sport. Yeah. But like in a way, when you watch something this dominant, it does turn away some people. Uh, but yeah. for me, it's like you also have to respect the the quality that is that performance and the quality that is like that Red Bull car in 2022. That's they're going to be on their they're on their way to a constructor's title for the first yeah. time since I want to say 2014. 20, no, like, probably last. I would say 2013. 2013, probably. maybe. I, yeah. th- I thought they won in 2014, too. But anyways, um, they're on their way to one. And it'd be nice to see Checo as, a, you know, a, a constructor's title winner as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that was, that was that for the race. I want to do, I do want to say too, touching on Ferrari and touching on the first Ferrari driver to finish in Carlos, they actually did nail their strategy this weekend. Um, they came out with Carlos's car anyways, and their pit stops were quick. Their pit stops were on time. They made the right calls to try to be close. Uh, the pace just wasn't there compared to the Red Bull, but Let's acknowledge them. We usually shit on them, so let's acknowledge them. They didn't. They did do a really well, well maintained race to get Carlos home in uh, the last podium position. In all reality, there wasn't much of a challenge. That Mercedes was always kind of off the pace this weekend, but um, did make it close though. Just over two. Yeah, seconds. yeah, make it close, and I mean, also just like it seems like when the weekends when there's actually no chance of winning they'll do well on the strategy but yeah. when there's a chance they win they just have they botch just it you just can't do anything under pressure yeah so that's um that's how i'd kind of sum up this ferrari weekend is like too little too late i guess in a way they um, almost screwed it up though remember when they pit charles on the softs at the very end oh yeah and the alpine got in front of him he wasn't able to get the fastest lap because of it so well and he got the penalty too for and, speeding in the pit lane yeah so i mean there was still some fault there's... no i was just talking about carlos i was oh strictly carlos there. okay no, strictly carlos i don't even know if like charles honestly this weekend is like there's obviously like all these things in his web of what could happen to him and it was bad luck he had the tear off come from max <laughs> apparently it was stroll oh it might have been stroll okay anyways it was literally but the fact that yeah it's crazy that that hits his, uh, his brake ducks. ducks and then burns a sensor out. So he speeds by one kph in the pit lane, ends up losing a position. Yeah, it's it's gonna be you know the next time that we see a Ferrari win, the title of our podcast is gonna be too little, too late because this is just a reoccurring nightmare for. I mean, at least they're there 
compared to where they've been in the last few years. But it's time to accept that they're not going to be winning the title this year. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, Which is unfortunate. Just, you wanted that to kind of... Yeah, we were looking at it like at least it was going to be like up to Abu Dhabi maybe for Ferrari and Red Bull. The way that Ferrari started this the year was a dream, started, yeah. you know? Uh, if we go back it and fell listen, off a cliff. listen to our Bahrain episode, I'm sure we would catch a lot of... Uh, you know, we were so optimistic about it, but, um, yeah, George as well. He kind of had a, an Island like race, uh-huh. uh, out there in P4. He's done that a few times this year and he's there to pick up the, he's pick up the pieces. Points. Yeah. He's doing what he's paid Bag- to do. Exactly. Bagging points, taking nice, uh, fourth position home. Uh, and I, like you said, he did actually get close to Carlos. He was closer than two seconds, uh, before he had a little bit of a, a lockup going into the last, uh, the bus stop chicane, but, they, um, you know, still doing a good job there, George. The car is not even close to a race-winning car right now at this circuit, I should say. It, I shouldn't say it's not close because in some circuits it is, but at this circuit it's not. Uh, power-hungry tracks favor power-hungry cars, and Alpine has been that this year. And we've seen, you know, we saw Fernando come home P5 here with um, uh, a race that he kind of had to manage after a little bit of a contact on the first lap. And then um, Charles, like we just mentioned, P6 with the penalty and not able to get the fastest lap. I do want to mention my driver of the day was Esteban Ocon. Uh, he had two overtakes in the race that he overtook two people. Like Damn. two instances where he overtook two people. It'll be on the, the top 10 onboards or whatever of the weekend. But he had two instances where he overtook two people in one lap. I believe both times it was Gasly and Vettel. Uh, it might it might have been Yuki and someone else the other first time actually when he was coming through, but uh, absolutely epic. If you were to watch someone's race from twenty twenty two Spa and actually want to watch their view from the cockpit for the whole race, I'd probably pick him because he was coming through the field. It was more of like a coming through the field in an, in an Alpine rather than yeah. a Red Bull. So it was like yeah, he had to fight. Battling. Yeah, yeah, he was battling for it. So him to come home P seven. And uh, he had, you know, underrated six points there because he had a lot of really good overtakes. Uh, Vettel as well, mm-hmm. being coming on P8 with that Aston, it's been an absolute struggle this year to qualify in. But on the race, they actually haven't done too bad. So yeah. next year, if they can get into like Q2 and Q3 in consistency, yeah, they're going to be... set themselves up for... They're going to be easily a top five in the constructors because their race pace is, on that car is nice. Like, yeah, and I feel really like they... Well. Maybe it's because they're qualifying so far back but they do like to do those other strats where yeah. they might start on the hards and just send lance out for you'll see lance at like p4 and realize he hasn't pitted yeah, while yeah. everyone else pit 15 laps ago but yeah, yeah they do like to try to change things up which i 100%. i do like to see but yeah it was nice to see seb up there last last rip on uh on spa francochon a few more points yeah so, last yeah, so his, there. it was sad to see him get knocked out of quali so early because he was like two one thousandth of a second mm-hmm. so he was so close to kind of get a couple more laps but yeah nice to see him finishing the points on his last rip around the track agreed so we had the two final uh point scoring positions i'll start with 10th which was alex alban and they they configured this car this weekend to be a rocket ship in a straight line yeah. he ended up being like the fastest in sector one out of everyone out of everybody which is crazy to hear from a williams and even just hearing Crofty say this Williams is a rock ship in a straight line is hilarious. Like just because of where they've came from the last few years and this year, obviously too, uh, the rest of the sectors, obviously it wasn't anything crazy, but it was good enough to keep, keep 10th position. 
but I really want to mention Pierre, who started his 100th Grand Prix this weekend. Obviously, a really special track for him with uh, Antoine. You know, he always pays tribute to Antoine every time he comes. It was his 100th race. Started from the pit lane and ended up in P9 ahead of Albin, who was not, you know, was a car that everyone else was really not able to get past. Uh, their strategy was w- worked well uh, for this race to get him up into P9. And I, I think he was also one of the best drivers of the day. Um, the rest of the grid was like behind that Albin train. So we had Stroll, Norris, uh, you know, McLaren's looked absolutely nowhere this weekend. <laughs> Uh, Daniel, Joe, and Yuki just down there, uh, and then obviously the two Haas who they they had expected to have a bad weekend, and they certainly had a bad weekend. They look like the Haas of old this weekend with their pace. I'm um, sure they won't be. You know, they they seem to be more uh, leaning towards doing better in Zandvoort. So we shall see how they do. But uh, that's kind of the back half of the grid. Um, we kind of touched on everything as well. There wasn't many highlights in between. I think if I was to tell anyone to go back and watch, it would again be those Ocon overtakes. I think those are really cool. Uh, and then, yeah, watching Max come through, and it was so easy for him to come through this field. So I can't, I can't say that this race lived up to all the drama and expectations that I had for it. But um, you know, it's still beautiful to watch at Spa, and it's also important to note that it will be back for next year. So I'm excited yes. that we'll be able to watch more Eau Rouge battles and oh, yeah. everything like that. And Such a it, unique circuit compared to all the the new ones that have come up. True, and there's still like overtaking. You know, like we yes. still we still see where you know. Obviously, I don't even want to count Max's as overtaking because he was just he would have overtook anyone in any corner. He could have overtook at friggin' Monaco this weekend. How fast he was. <laughs> um, like even other places, we had you know three way battles for positions up and down the grid. We had yeah. interesting stuff. And with a circuit that you just like have no idea what the weather could be for that weekend just keeps it spicy so <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not gonna give it a low star rating because it can't get any worse than spa 2021 with the <laughs> fucking joke that we had there infinitely times better so i didn't even want to mention that but i'll mention it quickly like that was brutal and just to say that we actually had a race this year we gotta like you just said count ourselves lucky i wouldn't mind a little sprinkle of rain but that was too much last year um but yeah all in all decent race we're excited for the last half of the year and as we said i think it's important as f1 fans just to know that you know, while the title race might be over, there's still a spectacle every weekend. And, you know, there might be, this might, this is obviously, it's worth it to me to tune in. We're not going to see Vettel around next year. We know that. Yeah. Uh, So, and then who knows where Danny's going to be next year. There's so many question marks. So it's still worth tuning in every weekend and, uh, you know, not. And the recent headlines even make Schumacher. Oh yes, Schumacher. Who knows what he's going to end up? Very, so. very true. Closing the show with that news uh, coming from hot off the press from the dive bomb uh, newsroom is Mick Schumacher cutting ties with. It's basically it hasn't been announced by Haas or Mick or Ferrari, but it seems that he will be cutting ties with Ferrari. His, uh, yeah. you know, he's been a junior driver there for years, which kind of sad but i can also see like he is there much of a future there with you know carlos and charles being the youngest one of the youngest driver lineups pretty similar there in age and like they're locked for those they're gonna be locked and it seems that like you know a lot of people were like thinking oh is carlos gonna live up to you know being as charles teammate in the last two seasons he's kind of proven that answered that question answered the question he's i think he's almost even on points with him now probably and that's with the one of the toughest starts to the year i've ever seen from a driver so um 
Yeah, it's going to be hard to get into Ferrari seat if you're a Ferrari junior. Yeah, so we'll see where uh, Daniel and Mick, probably two of the most well-liked drivers on the grid, we'll see where they yeah. end up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'd like to think that Mick will get another year in Haas, and, but you never know. Daniel could get in there. He's, in a, he, he's one of those guys that's also super marketable in America specifically because this guy yeah. loves America. So. Oh, yeah. I saw a video on his YouTube that he did. He was, like, going around, and uh, he was on vacation on the summer break, and he was, like, going to see where in America had, like, the best fried chicken. <laughs> and he was, like, trying all this really spicy chicken, and he's just, like, putting it in his mouth. He's like, oh, my God, I can't, like, I just, this is, I'm going to be, like, shitting later. And he ended up, like, finishing his, uh, <laughs> the video with, like, him going into the bathroom. Like, he's just a hilarious guy. So, anyways... With that, without, with that said, uh, we're on to Zandvoort, which is uh, Max's actual home race, right? Yes. So um, we'll see how they do. I think this track will be a little more favored to Ferrari and the other cars. It's but very quality dependent. Very quality dependent, 100%. So we'll see. See uh, what they can unload. The Ferrari's been good on the one laps this year, so we'll see they what have, they can and, end up. And another really cool track just to watch. I think a lot of Yeah, the, the banking is The sick. banking is really cool, so... Excited for that this yeah, weekend. It's race week again. So we're gonna see a, a red horse go through a wave of orange there. That oh it's, my god. I don't think they allow anybody inside the premises if you're not wearing at least ninety percent of your body <laughs> or painted. Yeah, exactly. I think what'll end up happening is, you know, Ferrari'll wanna give them a run for their money in Zanvor because they know that Monza they're just gonna get slapped around. So yeah. Um, yeah, whether that be the media or by the Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what it ends up being. 100%. All right. We will have Rune back next weekend, hopefully, if he uh, comes back from his uh, sabbatical. <laughs> and uh, we will chat with you after Zenvort. See you in Zenvort.